Some people never find a calling in life. And I feel like I've been just outrageously lucky to find it. I feel like it's something that I'm good at um, and that I can pass on skills to other people and that I can contribute to like the ongoing conversation about bread and what it should be like or how it can be. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Our fascination in bread has evolved so much over the last decade. Renowned as a white sliced bread society, the emergence of sourdough bakeries across Australia changed the conversation of not just bread, but great pastry down under too. The evolution continues with young savvy operators changing the conversation. But what does a modern bakery look like? Christine Tran is the head baker of Falco Bakery in Melbourne. Christine, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Anthony. It's good to have you on the show. Falco Bakery's, you know, one of this young, dynamic um, bakery that's sort of changing the game in the perception of bakeries. What's it been like the last couple of years with that? Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster um, from opening and finding our feet and uh, then COVID hitting very soon after <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, locking down and then opening and then locking down again. And yeah, so hence the roller coaster. Um, but, you know, all the while we've just tried to focus on, you know, improving our product and improving the bakery. Yeah. The team has a, a really strong restaurant background. Um you mentioned the lockdowns, bakeries, you know, some bakeries did quite well during that period of time. Um, how, how has business been for, for you guys? Um, again, roller coaster. Um, we, there was a, a period where um, business was booming basically because nothing else was open. Um, but then, you know, restaurants opened again and then it dropped back and then, yeah, it's, it has been all over the place, really just depending on what the current set of rules was for people. Um, yeah, so it's been, there have been some times that I've just not been able to predict, you know, how sales are going to go, who's going to come or not. So, yeah, that's been challenging. Tell us about the creation of Falco. Um, there's, it's, it's sort of um, entrenched in sort of traditional baking techniques, but taking a real sort of modern spin on things. Can you take us through the how it came about? Um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, that maybe that probably has a lot to do with our backgrounds in restaurants. And um, for me specifically, it would be, I feel like I, I've been to visit a lot of different bakeries and in a lot of different countries and that's, informed it's it sort of made me more open to different ideas rather than sticking with one style um yeah and trying to focus on how how something eats rather than just how it looks uh is really important to me and i think that's so there are you know other bakeries where presentation is really key so um yeah so i think that's where we're slightly different. Are there, is there any lines that are quite popular that you can tell us about that sort of speak of that sort of really focusing on uh, how it eats as opposed to how it presents? 
Um, I'd say, I mean, just, uh, you know, one of our most popular lines is the um, three kinds of cookies we always have. And they're all really um, very simple cookies, but in, in how they look, but uh, they're, they're probably one of our most popular products. Um, yeah, like the peanut butter miso is like one of the, our key products. Um, chocolate chip cookie, it's just like buttery and has a nice amount of chocolate chips and nuts in it. And then there's a cranberry, which is the, our third cookie. So it's, um, we sort of had a different, there's a different flavor profile for each one. Um, and like a lot of thought does go into exactly what we're going to have on the menu and how it all sits together. Um, yeah, that's what I'd say about that. You mentioned um, that along your travels, you visited all sorts of bakeries across the planet. Can you can you take us on a bit of a journey um, and tell us some stories of those experiences that you've had? Um, yeah, uh, well, because I, I was based in the States for a year, I was working at Tartine in San Francisco. Um, I tried to see as many bakeries as I could in California, like from, you know, ones in the city right to little cottage bakeries out in the country, like just single person bakeries. They have a tiny oven, they bake for their community, um, which is really interesting to see, uh, you know, bread in its sort of cultural setting. Um, and then in sort of checking out New York as well, what they've got going there with, you know, bagels. And I think like bread, larger loaves are not so popular there. So it's, you know, seeing the difference in different states. Um, and then I also, like when I when I was in Melbourne, I was working at Tivoli Road Bakery for about three years. Um, and, you know, on my days off, I would go to every bakery that I could get to. Um, yeah, and seeing just everything that they did, chatting to bakers. Uh, and then, yeah, my, my other main area of exploration was my trips to Europe. Um, yeah, and I think my, some of my biggest influences, there was a, a bakery in central Germany um, called Feifler. Um, uh, yeah, just seeing what they do because like there's a big German tradition of bread, but then this the head baker there at the time, he was very influenced by tartine, um, but he's using European flowers, which interact very differently. So um, interesting to see how he adapted that, and that's, that has influenced me as well. What was it like working um, at Chad Robinson's tartine in San Francisco? Uh, um, this is going to sound dramatic, but... <laughs> I think it was a really a great and rare privilege to work there um, and maybe one that people don't get anymore. I'm not sure, but I had heard that um, they don't bake bread at the original site anymore. It's all at the manufacturing, the more modern setup that they have. Um, uh, just like being on that bread team where you, you're just focusing on the sourdough bread um, and the sourdough lines. And just being able to, like being, having the permission to focus totally on that and just get it really right um, 
there's I don't think there's a bakery like that in Australia and I, maybe not even the world that I know of. Yeah, so just a fantastic experience and uh, I learned like, really so much from working there for a year and like seeing it through, seeing the bread through the seasons. Is there anything that um, you can tell us about, about what you learned and what it, what it takes to um, create such amazing sourdough like that and the dedication behind it? Um, it's hard to it's hard to sum up in a really succinct way. Um, I think seeing like just having the time and space to observe when you mix the leaven, what it's like the next day, um, being allowed to tinker around a bit with the formula, um, seeing how that affects the bread. Uh, through to the, you know, how you might shape and you have to shape differently, maybe depending on what the dough is like. Um, different people would mix every day. So, you know, you might get something different every day and then just have to deal with it, <laughs> uh, which is really courageous for a head baker to let his bakers do. Um, yeah. Uh, more, most people understandably like to play it a bit safer and, you know, just have people follow a formula sheet or, um, the same people mix every day, so it's consistent. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I I don't know if that comes across to someone who's not a baker, um, how like the complexity of bread um, and being able to observe it every day, uh, like how you don't get to do that all the time at every bakery. With the experience that you've had overseas, well, what was it like translating that in a bakery in Australia and using flour that's from here? And did you have challenges and successes? That- um, I think from, I think it was great to see like work at Tartine and then travel in Europe and also see my friend in Germany because um, basically like the adaptations he had to make for European flour is similar to what, I've done using Australian flour. Um, yeah, it has quite different properties. Um, American flour is very, it's very strong and very tolerant of different um, treatments. Um, yeah, so there was that. Um, there's some things like a, one of our signature products is a cardamom bun. And to be honest, like the first time I ate it, I didn't really understand why, what the big fuss was about. Um, but then, like I went to Sweden and actually ate them there. And I was like, this is different. And how do they, how do they achieve this texture? And um, I got to spend a day or two with um, some bakers there in Stockholm. And um, yeah, it's, uh, that's how I learned like how, how you get that texture and um, that particular flavor. So, yeah, I'm really glad I went just if, even if it was just to see that. You've got a, you've got a real focus on, on quality organic produce and it sort of underpins everything that you do. Tell, tell us a bit about that and, and some of the relationships that you have with different producers. Yeah. Um, I guess first of all is the flour. So we use um, organic flour from whole grain milling and um, organic and often biodynamic flour from rock paper flour. Um, and that's, 
that's sorry, my my phone just beeped. Uh, um, yeah, I so yeah, we use all, all organic flour from them. Um, you know, to be honest, I think that maybe non-organic flours might actually be easier to use. Um, but for me, it's, I mean, partly about, you know, what, what we put in our bodies, what we eat, um, and also trying to have less impact on, on the environment. Um, maybe that second one is even more important for me. So, um, I, I wanted to have a lower impact business in that sense. Um, but, uh, like flavor wise and the results that we're able to get, um, super happy with would never change it. Uh, yeah. And otherwise, you know, fruit and veg that we use for sweet and savory products. Um, I just think the fresher, the better and, and organic if possible. Um, we just, you get a better flavor from it and the product at the end really shows those, like shows that that's the best way to do it. What started an interest in food uh, for you when you were young? Did, did food play a big role in your family as a kid? Um, yeah, I, in a general sense, yes. Um, my, my background is Vietnamese um, and my, my mum and aunts and, uh, you know, every, uh, all of my family were super into, like, you know, getting together, cooking a really big meal and really the enjoyment of food. Um, yeah, so it's always been a really important part of, like, life and enjoying life and, um, yeah, I think... I, I was thinking about it and I feel like to me, Vietnamese cuisine, it's about um, balancing different flavors. Um, and I think that general, that sort of general sense informs the way that I approach food, the way that I taste it. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, when I was growing up, I actually never thought about a career in food. Um <laughs> so I come from a like pretty, pretty, I guess, conservative family, um, and they just never really thought that a career in food was something to be taken seriously. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, and I think like the culture has changed in Melbourne a lot as well. So, you know, it's probably a sign of that being more acceptable these days than it was when I was growing up. When was the moment that you decided that baking was for you? Was there, was there a moment where you found real interest in that? Um, yeah, that's a bit of a convoluted story because I, when I was at uni just studying, I think I was doing an arts degree, um, I had a part-time job where I baked I baked cakes for a cafe. Um, had a great time, loved the people there. Um, did that while I was at uni, finished uni and then kind of forgot about it and pursued another career. Um, and then, yeah, I went off, I became a legal advisor for, in the public sector. Um, and then just went off on a bit of a tangent. Um, then I think I, I got to a stage that just felt like a dead end. Like, um, I really wasn't happy. Um, but 
also any of the career paths that led from that I was not interested in. Um, so I, I thought, so this would be well, over 10 years after I'd finished that cafe job and I, I thought to myself, when was the last time I was happy in any job? And it was that job that I just did part-time <laughs> when I was studying something completely different. Um, and I thought, well, maybe that's it. Maybe I should just try that again and see. Um, and yeah, I went, I did a like one day baking course, uh, like bread baking course. Um, and I just felt amazing. And I knew from that day that that was the career I should be following. How did, um, how did it make you feel or how does baking make you feel when you're in the element? Um, I feel like, uh, I think I feel like I'm where I'm meant to be. It's like my, it's a place where I feel things are familiar. Um, like a bit like, it's going to be a terrible cliche, but it's a bit like being home. Um, uh, and I, I really love working with sourdough. It's like, interacting with a person it's a it's a living thing that responds to you um there's something so great and dynamic about that and being able to do that as a job with the uh, many products that you've created is is there is there one that took a while for you to nail and the, and that you love um i think that actually there's one that we actually don't make at the moment <laughs> um it's a, a queen aman uh, I don't know if you've heard of this pastry. It's um, yeah, it's a type of you kind of use a croissant dough, so it's um, a yeasted dough that's laminated with butter. Then you sort of roll that out, um, and then there's different shapes you can fold it into. But I like to do a spiral, um, and then I I bake that on a like sugar a sugar mix that I've, that you have to make specially for it. Um, and then the way I wanted to do it is that you bake the pastry and the sugar melts at the same time and forms a caramel. And then you turn it out. Once it's at the end, you turn it out and then that goes crisp. So <laughs> that probably took me, probably took me six months to get really right. Um, I got that right, and then we got so busy that we don't have time to make it right now. It's, it's always on my mind as something I really want to bring back. But yeah, that was that was something. And you get you get to the end where you get it right, and then you're like, I'm sick of this now. <laughs> You've had experience in um, all different types of bakeries, but you know the team at Falco have had um, restaurants like Rockwell, which is. Um, sort of American food and burgers and things like that. How different is it working with that team and creating a bakery? Does it feel different to other bakeries? Um, yeah, uh, I think in some ways I feel um, uh, like it's, it makes it a stronger team to have more diverse skills. Um, I think the the main main person we're talking about is Casey Wall, obviously, um, and he just like he has a real knack for um, developing products with just really punchy flavors that, you know, like immediately, Oh, I like this. Um, uh, and it's, it's great to have that support and, um, backup. 
um, he's also like a really honest and critical person. So, and I, I really value that when, you know, when I'm developing products or want feedback on something. So, you know, I feel like that has really made it, made me a stronger baker to have that kind of team to work with. Falco is an important part of the local community. How important is that sense of community for you? Um, really important. Um, I think the the reason I got into baking, one of the key reasons was that I wanted to make something that was useful to other people and and good for them. So um, to be part of the community and be making this product that um, people need every day, you know, or every other day, um, is really important to me. I, I don't want to just be making something that's a, a luxury item. Um, yeah. What's your favorite feedback that you've got um, from from one of your customers? Um, I mean, you know, I, I love Falco customers who uh, they say, oh, that's my favorite sandwich or um, I've been dreaming of getting that peanut butter cookie again and, you know, I've come back after six months and <laughs> um, that's, that's always amazing. Um, but I just remember that one time I was in, when I was in Switzerland, I did this event where I, I baked the bread for them. Um, it was sourdough and using um, Swiss flours. And there's, it, it's surprising in Switzerland, there's not too many actual sourdough bakeries. Um, and uh, at this dinner, I was sitting next to a lady who had the bread and she, she ate one piece and was quiet for a minute. And, and she was like, oh, it's like the bread I used to eat when I was a child. <laughs> And like I'll I'll never forget that it made the whole thing worthwhile. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic to hear something simple like that. How has um, bread making changed your life? Um, in oh, in so many ways. Um, I've I've like you know found the thing. This this is what everyone looks for. It's like what what's where's that calling. Some people never find a calling in life. Um, and I feel like I've been just outrageously lucky to find it. Um, yeah, I, it's, I feel like it's something that I'm, I'm good at um, and that I can pass on skills to other people and that I can contribute to like the ongoing conversation about bread and what it should be like or how it can be. Um, yeah, uh, and I find it rewarding. Makes me really like happy to be providing this for the community, as we said. So, yeah, in so many ways. You mentioned the real roller coaster that you've been on since uh, Falco opened, and many have experienced that in the hospitality sector over the mm -hmm. last two years. Um, well, what sort of impact has it had on you? Has there been um, a positive positives to come out of it? Um. I think the positives to do with COVID, I'd say that with, you know, being lucky enough to be able to be open the whole time, that we have been able to provide that constant for people in the community. Um, you know, you can come get some bread or a coffee, even if it has to be a takeaway only sometimes. <laughs> um, and, uh, so that on on that level, 
it's it's taught me a lot about that. Um, I think also with the extra stress that it puts staff under, um, just being more mindful of that and, you know, mental health as well as, you know, doing doing a job and trying to do it well. Um, just being more a bit more human, I think, if that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Bakeries have changed quite a lot and the impact, as, as, as you know, you've been a part of it, of, of sourdough has been extraordinary in Australia. Um, what do you think makes a, a great bakery? Yeah. Um, uh, I think, I mean, it's the things that I value and try to implement at Falco. So um, I think trying to provide a really quality product um being as local as possible. Um, uh, yeah, I think less emphasis on, as I've said, less emphasis on presentation and more on how it eats or like the you know, other other qualities of the baked product. Um, uh, and maybe also like what makes a good good bakery um being uh inclusive i think is really important as it's you know it's a key part of the community so you don't want to make it too i don't know uh daunting for people to come into yeah the the business has done uh, quite well. It's very popular, even though there's been the roller coaster of the last couple of years. What's the plans um, for the next year or two with Falco? Um, I think we're hoping to expand. Um, it's it's not been easy, or at least it's not been as easy as I hoped. <laughs> um, but we have a like a really talented team, and I and you know I, I want to be able to keep having, you know, providing work for that team and fulfillment and, you know, building on that. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, we're looking to open maybe another site or two. Um, maybe not more than that. I'm not sure how much I can handle, but <laughs> for the moment, that's that's the immediate plan. <laughs> Is there anything that you're um, working on in regards to a, a product or developing that you um, hoping to um, put on the menu soon? I think uh, I'd like to develop our sort of pastry side a lot more. Um, so maybe there'll be some new sweet offerings for winter. Um, yeah, and more uh, cakes and things like that. So um, that's the immediate term. Um, and maybe expanding the bread program, but really um, nothing nothing revolutionary. So what, what you see is our style now is, is how it will be. It, it seems mm. like we're moving forward uh, beyond um, COVID and bakeries have become a real sort of important part of a society. Um, well, how do you see the future of bakeries and bakering? Where, where do you think, where do you see it going over the next five or 10 years in Australia? Um, I think there could be, there might actually be a proliferation of a lot of smaller bakeries. Um, I know uh, people I know, uh, they're called, I think, BPK Solutions. They're um, importing sort of a small scale 
um, oven for home bakers. And I, I feel like from that, we're going to start getting lots of small local operations, maybe similar to what they have in the States, finally, where they just have a little cottage bakery and, and they bake for their town. Um, we might see more of that. And maybe as a follow-on, there might be more um, fresh milled flour. People get their own milling operations going in their own home. Yeah. Well, I look forward to that happening. Um, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today, Christine, to hear just a part of your story. Um, good luck with everything. Please keep in touch and um, we'll have to catch up again sometime in the future. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, Anthony. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.